Welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast, where we talk to C-level leaders from across the payments landscape. We'll be discussing the products and services that impact the payment space today, as well as trends and predictions for the future of payments. We will also hear stories from our guests about their journeys to the top. We're very differentiated in that we're very narrowly focused on payments, optimization, execution, and support. At the back end of the AP process, once payments have already been decided and approved, and then we can manage and deliver up to 10 different payment methods and have a really white glove approach around from that payment being initiated to ultimately being settled and or refunded and managed by us, which is really powerful. That was Ernest Rolfson, CEO and founder of Finexio, and he's our special guest this week on episode 155 of the Leaders in Payments podcast, and I'm your host, Greg Myers. Ernest Rolfson was once a Disney World employee who was also once recruited by Visa and MasterCard simultaneously. He has a passion for teaching people about payments, software, and all things that move money. For those of you who may not know, Finexio is an accounts payable payments as a service company that targets the middle market sector. Their long-term goal is to empower large, accounts-payable, procurement, and ERP software platforms with a white-labeled solution. He knew he had a winning concept when he did his research and found out that there was still $12 trillion in paper checks being processed through the U.S. payments ecosystem. This broke down into $4 trillion for small business, $4 trillion for the middle market, and $4 trillion for large enterprises. Given his background and expertise, Ernest decided to target the middle market sector, and the rest, they say, is history. Ernest and I talk about his journey in fintech, including where he sees the industry two to three years from now as it relates to cryptocurrency, cross-border payments, and more. We've got a great episode ahead, so let's get started. Hi, Ernest. Thank you for being here, and welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast. Hey, Greg. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. So let's dive right in. If you don't mind, tell our audience a little bit about yourself, maybe where you grew up, where you went to school, where you currently live, a few things like that. So on the personal side, I grew up in Orlando, Florida, really close to Disney World, where I eventually did a uh, summer gig. That's part of the rite of passage, being from Orlando. Did go on to Greener Pastures, did my undergrad at uh, NYU, And then went on to get a master's at uh, University College London before going back to New York for work. Spent some time working in New York, San Francisco, back to New York, made my way out to Silicon Valley for another stint, and then started Finexio out in uh, San Mateo, California, right in Silicon Valley, before moving that back to Orlando, where the company is headquartered to this day. And uh, about three years ago, My wife and I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina to support my wife's career, and that was the right thing to do given she supported my career move out to San Francisco. We're loving Charlotte. I do have a couple of employees in Charlotte, but we're going strong still in Orlando. So that's a little bit of the personal side. Okay, great. Well, let's talk about the company. So tell us what Finexio does. Finexio is an accounts payable payments as a service company. We started off working direct with corporates, and we still do have a great corporate business where we realize that companies are majority managing their accounts payable spend with manual physical checks. And we said, let's develop a software solution to address that 
And on day one, these clients, these corporates that are spending anywhere from 25 million a year and up uh, could be paperless through using the Finexio B2B payment solution. The long-term vision and one that we are executing pretty well on is to actually leverage that B2B payments infrastructure for large accounts payable and procurement and ERP software platforms so that they could completely white label and embed that B2B payments infrastructure and repackage and sell that as a service and product within their software suite for the large corporates that Finexio started off serving directly. And that's been really helpful to drive scale and usage, but also empowers the software companies that are the white label resellers of Finexio with a broader and richer tool set to drive customer happiness and retention, but also a very attractive revenue stream by adding in a payments product. Okay. And you obviously sell through partners like you just mentioned, but do you also have a direct sales force? We do have a direct sales force. We're bringing in routinely companies like the Scripps Research Institute, which is a large medical group out of uh, San Diego. It's just a name that folks know, folks that are spending in the order of hundreds of millions a year. So there are just probably 15 to 20,000 plus companies out there that our direct sales force is working with and selling to and helping go paperless. However, most of our business these days does come in through these large software aggregation platforms that have, you know, more than like our customer partner base has more than 3,000 customers that use the software. So in the United States, which is helpful ground for us. Okay. And are you just in the U.S.? We're just in the U.S. The reason being is that the U.S. is number two globally in manual paper check payments. There's something like $12 trillion of checks in the U.S. It is largely a U.S. problem. So finding these middle market, to upper middle market and beyond companies that still have a good portion of their spend that's completely paper is where we want to focus because you can deliver just an incredible ROI to these customers by saying, hey, you don't have to make these payments anymore by hand. You can do this digitally. It's really low awareness even today in the United States that this you know concept of electronic accounts payable even exists. Okay. And for smaller businesses, is it just because it's just harder to convince them because they are small or is it a volume thing? What's Why the mid-market? Yep, yep. Well, if you think about the B2B payments market in the US, and there's about these 12 trillion of checks that I quoted, there's about 4 trillion equally split if you cut the businesses in the country by third. And so that's about 4 trillion of checks in that SMB category, 4 trillion in the middle market, 4 trillion in large enterprise, right? So to get as much of spend as you would in middle market, would take you maybe three to five times more customers that you would have to get and support. And we all know serving retail customers just involves, rightly so, I think a high level of service and therefore cost. And I saw a gap in the market as well for these companies, these middle market companies that were just big enough to matter and their payment flows were large enough for it to be really profitable for them and for companies like us to come and help but they were too small and not quite fitting into the large bank's sales motion and product and service support level, right? So it seemed like the market was really bifurcated to serving SMBs with specific retail 
type solutions to help an SMB. Think like a bill.com type solution versus large market complex things that maybe they need like uh, complex custom implementations of an Oracle or something. So I just saw that there was a lack of service and attention in this middle market too. You know, I think we could uniquely serve and in fact do versus just trying to aggregate as many small companies and trying to aggregate that spend. And you've got, you know, to serve that with customer support and management. So, yeah, makes a lot of sense. I don't think there's a wrong answer, right answer there. However, it's just what we decided and are enjoying it. Well, I think you found a niche that has a problem and you're obviously providing a solution for that niche, which is a very large niche. How do you charge? Are you transaction fee-based, SaaS-based, little of both? It's all of the above. We are a payments company and a payments company first. We are on the card issuing side. So about 90% of our revenue does come from issuing and managing cards and driving interchange. However, we're driving revenue, as I mentioned, from a plethora of payment and banking transactions. Not dissimilar from what a corporate that might want to use electronic banking might be familiar with, which does give us a real advantage in being able to communicate and help folks understand the value of what they're paying for. But because this is a web-based subscription software with user portals and web chat and rich analytics, and companies are now educated on and are familiar with SaaS subscription products, they probably have several dozen at their company. Having upfront fees and recurring subscriptions and user subscriptions has been something that we've been able to provide and help justify providing a higher touch level of service than some others are providing. And so that's been very helpful. We've recently started adding subscriptions as of late last year into us managing and curating and keeping safe, storing, encrypting supplier bank account information as well as managing the validity of that information and the accuracy and identity of the individuals looking to manage or deal with bank account information. So basically like manage security as a service as well, which we never did charge for and probably never communicated how much we were actually doing to keep us and our clients safe. And once we realized that companies were willing to pay for that as well, we started charging subscriptions for that. And they're loving that because they're understanding wow, we were either doing nothing here or we were doing so much work manually that your software can eliminate. And it's not like your people replacing my people. It truly is software. They're like, wow, this is absolutely, you're saving me money. This is great. So we, we say with clients, like with in terms of the fees and charges, no client will ever go do something unless they can understand that they're going to be financially better. And that's just how much value there is in digital payments. Yeah. And you mentioned checks. I would think the whole last couple of years with the pandemic has been definitely some tailwinds, right? As far as people not being able to walk down the hall and get checks signed or approved, right? Right. Right. Right time, right place for Finexio, for sure. I mean, I think we definitely anticipated that this is where the office of the CFO was trending, right? Software has been eating the world. You want to do more with less you want to get more value out of the investments you've already made in your business software. So if your software can enable payments or you can do payments via software and it be relatively seamless versus having a bunch of disjointed manual bank payment processes, it's a win. COVID was definitely a massive accelerant around that. However, even during COVID, 
we saw companies navigating painfully through by sending folks to the office once a week to cut checks or bringing the checkbooks home. Now that COVID's been done, and we did have those war stories during the depths of uh, 2020, right, or 2021, where companies had to become paperless, or were looking for solutions to be paperless in days, and we were able to satisfy that. Now that there's a quote-unquote return to normalcy, you're seeing the pressures on the hiring and labor market in general and businesses looking to grow and scale, where the CFOs are saying, we can't scale by adding more bodies. This is just crazy. We can't do it. And so I do think the mindset has changed a bit. However, there are the business realities outside of the uh, the COVID, hey, shut down, can't do it in the office kind of thing. Right. And what year did you start the company? I quit my job uh, July 2015 and incorporated that month, started kind of working on it. I was a solo founder. So had a longer journey, I think, than most trying to get out of the ground. I think I raised my first angel investment of a million dollars roughly a year or so after I've said I'm going to start, you know, quit my job to actually properly work on something versus the alternative. Sure. And how many employees do you have now? We are just about 65 employees at this point. About 35 are working in Orlando and or Central Florida, right? The outskirts or areas around Orlando. The others are spread across the United States. We've embraced remote working as a go-to. You've got to get the best people wherever they are. We've been really lucky given that there's a big payments processing contingent in a place like Cincinnati. We've got a number of great associates in Cincinnati, Ohio. There's a number of banks up in uh, Buffalo, New York. We now have a four-person team up in Buffalo. We've got three folks in Austin. So we're finding these pockets of greatness around. And when we find great talent that we like and we're learning what kind of companies they're coming from, we're trying to find like-minded people that are looking to join an exciting fintech startup that's growing hundreds of percent a year where they're like, yeah, this is fantastic. So it was very different when we were starting Finexio, especially where it was like, you have to hire in Silicon Valley or you have to hire people in your in your town. And that's um, just not really possible. Right, right. Times have changed, that's for sure. Absolutely. So what would you say differentiates your company from your competitors out there? So a couple things here. In terms of the kind of corporate AP B2B payment solution, there are probably six to 10 different AP payment things out there. And then a number of procurement and payments things out there that may do different bits and pieces of payments or software firms that have integrated in payments. So I do think that there's a lot of ways you could skin the cat based on the type of company you are, size and the things that you need. I would say We're very differentiated in that we're very narrowly focused on payments, optimization, execution, and support at the back end of the AP process once payments have already been decided and approved. And then we can manage and deliver up to 10 different payment methods and have a really white glove approach around from that payment being initiated to ultimately being settled and or refunded and managed by us which is really powerful. So I would say the types of companies that are looking for us are looking for something specific to the payment 
and not thinking about the entire end accounts payable process. So we've differentiated ourselves by making it very easy to get a ton of value and a ton of savings and get really powerful service advantage without having to change or train or readjust your entire process around how you get to a payment or without essentially changing your accounts payable process. So that's been very powerful. I would say because of that, in the corporate market, our core competition would be that of the client's treasury bank. And so we're serving hundreds of clients today, corporate buyers who have said, you know what, Finexio's payment suite and capability and reporting is much better than Bank of America or US Bank or Wells Fargo or XYZ Regional Bank. And so we should be leveraging this. So that's been good. So we mainly win and compete against banks, and we rarely even have any fintech-type competitors in the corporate market space. In the channel sphere, where we have a very unique approach and a lot of unique turnkey white-labelable assets and SSO capabilities, single sign-on for accounts payable and procurement, we're really only viewing as a competitor core pay which is a division of Fleet Corps. And we have only run into them about three times in the past four years. And I'm pleased to say we've beaten them every time we've run into them. So we wish we ran into them more versus only just educating and building the market, which we're doing. So I would say it's a very nascent market. We're clearly the leader in this market space. And those times that we've been chosen because of some of the comments I've made in the kind of just core value prop to the corporate side and some of the features or nice things they're looking for. But I would say for these partners, these software companies, they're looking for that Stripe-like solution. They're like, how can I just get into market and how can this be simple and painless for me? But B2B is a little bit more complex than receiving payments. So what these partners value is a very thoughtful path to graduation around standing up a legit AP B2B payments business. So we've built out specific partner methodology, portals, websites, turnkey assets, this SSO capability, which means you can plug in AP payments into your actual web app without having to do a bunch of custom API development while you scope out what kind of API development you want so that you can get into market quickly with and generate revenue and delight your customers without having to make a tech investment in a major way. That's what has been really driving this is they're like, wow, Finexio's got a robust ecosystem and tool set for partners and have really thought through how to bring software partnerships to market and generate revenue. And they're paying for this. We're bringing a service element to help these partners onboard customers, learn and enable how to sell, learn how to service and leverage the partner's data assets as well with some really unique reporting and sales tools and cost saving analyses that are all online and digital so that the partners, A, don't have to learn and figure this out themselves, B, have a really true and deep partner and C, have really compelling value, again, that they can demonstrate to their customers that they want to entice with B2B payments with a digital tool set that they can show, again, on the very first day versus passing along things like uh, Excel spreadsheets or having to build it themselves. And 
that's why it's a no-brainer to work with us for these kinds of partners. It's just, again, we've thought through the partnership approach carefully and have developed specific investments to make it a reality for these partners. Okay. Whether it's through partners or direct, are there certain verticals that make more sense than others, or is it basically just any company that has a need? You know, it it is any company that has the need. We like certain verticals like manufacturing or construction or real estate that tend to be more old school and haven't really adopted. Certain service verticals as well make sense. But our partner strategy is specific in that although we're a horizontal company at Finexio and we're more focused on this middle, upper middle market space because these are the types of companies that need help. With the partners, we find and look for vertical-specific software companies that are leaders in their specific vertical. And so that helps us because, one, we can have a really compelling, dominating leader in each position, like folks in the hospitality space called Birch Street that's a partner of ours, or folks like Unimarket or in the nonprofit higher education space, or partners like Recorded that are in the construction space. And that means that One, we can have a really unique, I think, story for that vertical. We've got really powerful data for that vertical that helps each customer get more efficient the more customers we bring on in that vertical because we've got the supplier network built and we've got some real unique insight into how others in that vertical like to use the product and what kind of results they're getting from it. And the third would be we don't then have to go and really sell deep into those verticals ourselves because we've got strong partners we can trust and rely on who are going and penetrating those verticals. So it's a really a win-win-win. And our partners want to work with us because they know that that's our strategy because we're vocal and transparent in communicating it. Sure. That makes a lot of sense. So we've talked about some of the trends, right? So replacing checks and and efficiency and things like that. But where do you see all of it headed, say, two to three years from now? Where's all this space going? Yeah. Well, I see, I think the industry and the B2B industry is only accelerating in the pace to digital. I think there's two kind of key things happening. I think that There's more of a focus and attention on driving out more electronic payment types. Some have been in the consumer space for some time, like Zelle, or things that are starting out in the consumer space, like RTP, that have clear commercial applications. So I think that there's a trend of just being multi-rail in general, is what I'm trying to say, and having more and more options. And I think that that makes a lot of sense if you think of all the transformation that's happened in the consumer bill payment world. So in B2B, we've been ahead of that curve and have been one of the drivers of having the most, when we support 10 outbound payment methods more than any other provider in the country, because we think that the supplier and buyer choice is really powerful and that's what's going to help digital spend. I think that the second kind of key trend is kind of deepening in B2B of the software integrations. We're seeing some early progress in the accounting space with some of these app stores and the like. I think I'm talking about more of this trend that we're, again, leading in, which is around procurement and accounts payable, where it's an embedded part of the software. And, you know, we're an embedded part of Jagger, which is the second largest procurement software company in the world with more than 500 billion of spend on their platform and 7 million suppliers. So kind of being 
in partnership with some of the largest global leaders that are looking to really have autonomous commerce and thinking about really how to have a deep embedded digital workflows is, I think, a big driving force within payments. And payments can help drive that force as well on our side within the broader software ecosystem. So these things are happening now. These are trends both in the long term, but really will continue to drive steam over the next two to three years. In the next 10 years, I can't think of anything more powerful than Web3, crypto slash blockchain, whatever you want to call it. That's the thing that me and my colleagues are most excited about. I think we'll only be able to, in terms of our life cycle, be able to really dabble in that. And we have dabbled in that here at Finexio. But that is really the space to watch in terms of security, in terms of automation, in terms of supply chain finance. It's just really, there's so many dimensions there. Cross-border, obviously, that's powerful. There's already serious motion in the crypto space around cross-border for payments. So I could go on and on, but that's the space to really watch and be in where payments is really transforming. Yeah, I would totally agree with you there. Well, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about you. So maybe pick up your journey to starting the company from grad school till, what was that, July of 2016 when you started the company. Maybe fill in the gap there. Yep, yep. I'll give you a, I don't know, medium level of detail here. How about that? That's perfect. You know, I started my career in the payments world working at Ernst & Young and was part of the initial team that built out a West Coast working capital advisory group, which is focused on helping large corporates and private equity funds essentially drive transformation around the financial operations function of the company to increase cash flow. And the area that I got most involved in was accounts payable. And it used to be that you could just pay later and that would drive a lot more cash on your balance sheet because you were holding on to the cash longer. But we're looking at ways to embed in cards and other electronic payment methods and tying this into procurement was a really, I think, powerful and nascent concept back then. I think this was like more than 12 years ago now, 15 years ago. So I, well, one, I really enjoyed it and uh, saw how backwards these kinds of companies were. But there was so much value to just be unlocked in this kind of sleepy back office thing. Well, long story short, got simultaneously recruited by both Visa and MasterCard to join their teams. And I didn't know anything really about payments at the time. But it spoke to me that, hey, there's these two behemoths in the payments world that are recruiting random strategy consultants. There must be something going on in payments. And so sure enough, at MasterCard, which is the role I uh, ultimately took and moved back to New York where I went to college. I had the opportunity to work on and build a commercial payment strategy in the insurance industry, which led to working in the healthcare industry, which is also insurance, and built out some pretty big businesses and partnerships with MasterCard and ultimately was promoted to lead the healthcare business unit at MasterCard. So I found myself at about 28, managing a $40 billion payments portfolio. And um, my kind of priority was to grow and focus on the fastest growing part of that portfolio, which was B2B, and uh, tremendous interest in large commercial insurance carriers and tech platforms servicing them to get out of the paper check game 
realizing that every doctor and hospital in the country has a credit card reader in their office. So it makes a lot of sense to see if you can't get them paid electronically versus faxing or printing, mailing checks and the like. So I got to know every software tech platform in and around the insurance and uh, commercial medical claim space and was advising them all on how to solution design electronic payment solutions and where payables could be embedded. And one of the companies, a company called at the time MDON, that subsequently changed its name to Change Healthcare, they liked me so much. And the leadership team there, chief strategy officer, general manager of the payments business, SVP of product, all really enjoyed working with me and understood I was a subject matter expert, the best they had met. They said, we've got to get you over here and created a custom role for me to help them invest in or buy payments processing businesses because they were looking to transform more than 100 billion of paper checks that they were printing and mailing each year to digital. We were ultimately successful in getting about 8 billion of spend onto virtual cards. We partnered with, uh, I mentioned our competitor there in Fleet Corps, and uh, the time the legacy business was called ComData to come and introduce in card numbers into the paper check flow. And we were successful in, again, getting billions of spend and hundreds of thousands of medical providers paid with a MasterCard, but it was so manual and so janky. And the service that was offered was non-existent. The technology and software was, you might as well, you know, have been in a lab turning a crank. It was just really shockingly backwards. So I think there's a few epiphanies I'm getting to here. One was that the payments industry was nowhere when it came to B2B payments and didn't really know and understand how to support these large software companies, right? So that was one kind of shocking challenge to me. Two was that, you know, this company Change Healthcare I was working at, I never heard of. It's But it's like the Visa or MasterCard of the healthcare industry. And to this day, you know, if you ask about 50 people if they've ever heard of Change Healthcare, you'd get about two out of 50. So it's, I was like, wow, we're doing a hundred billion in payments or we're doing more than that. And there's got to be at least 50 more of these companies that people have never heard of that are just moving hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars around. So that was kind of intriguing to me. But the other thing was that banks were missing the mark as well. And not only were they not serving us as a software provider, they were not serving the corporates that were our customers. And I mentioned we were doing over $100 billion in checks. Well, we were doing $100 billion in checks for some of the largest health insurance companies in the entire United States. And, you know, somebody like Aetna, I was like, wow, why is JP Morgan not printing and mailing all of Aetna's checks? They're Aetna's bank, right? Shouldn't they be working together? Well, our software was the software that told Aetna who to pay and how much to pay. So the last mile itself was the payment. So it was so obvious for Aetna just to say, hey, could you guys just pay this for me too? Mm-hmm. Right? They wouldn't even think to call their bank. So my entire view was I've got to quit my job as soon as I can and build a B2B payments company to go and serve this massive market opportunity, serving these thousands of companies that are completely check or 50% or more check, that they're using some software solution to decide who to pay and how much to pay. And well, turns out I was right. And that made a lot of sense. 
and we're having success doing it. We're serving now about three of the top 15 largest procurement software platforms in the world today with our payment solution embedded in. So we were right about that. I was really, I think, dumbfounded to learn when I ultimately did do the research like a good student and see that there was 12 trillion still of checks in the US market. That was what was crazy to me. So what gave me the confidence to really start the company was I felt confident that I could go and get some of these early adopter direct-to-corporate clients to show that we could move money safely and securely and with a good service so that I could build up a base to go and find these software firms. And that was the idea. That was the plan. And, um, you know, some bumps along the way, some pivots along the way, as one does, and having fun with it. Awesome. And the rest is history, as they say, right? Yeah, just uh, six-year overnight success. Been fantastic. Yep. Awesome. Well, what are some things that you're passionate about? So maybe one personal thing and one business-related thing that you have strong passion for. Yeah. Well, you can tell me if this is a business thing or not, or what others have said, but I've been really passionate about giving people opportunities. And it's not about the like creating a job thing, which I'm, I guess I'm proud that I've been able to do that, but it's about, you know, finding and identifying people that want to work, that have something to provide and serving as a mentor and enabler and teacher and watching these people grow and be really successful and drive awesome results for themselves personally and professionally. I've been really passionate about that. And coming from Orlando, which has a very strong hospitality industry, a very big hospitality industry, we were able to transition quite a number of people from that industry into Finexio that have been phenomenal in working with our clients. And so teaching people about payments and about software is something that I am passionate about. And I would say that that's a continuation of what I've learned in my career, because I think that the payment space is completely opaque, very difficult to get into. It is a, you know, largely held, I mean, before the fintech explosion that has really been over the last eight years or so, dominated by the banks and some of these big key players. So it has been largely an industry I found of close mentorship and almost like apprenticeship. And that's also how the venture investing in that whole world kind of works as well. So I would say I've taken that what I've learned from my mentors and the folks that have developed and helped me. And I do think about that and try to apply that into what I'm doing personally to try to help leave people better off than I found them. So that I think that blends into work a bit, but it is a personal, it has become something I'm personally passionate about. And I always try to help people if I can, just generally. I think that's the right thing to do because a lot of people have helped me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ernest, we've covered a lot of ground about the company and the exciting things you guys are doing, about the industry and where it's headed, and then obviously about your journey and how you got there. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? Yeah, well, I know one of the things we had mentioned was also about advice or advice to those starting out in the payment space or starting up a company. And I think what applies to both and something that's a big part of our culture at Finexio is just Googling it. Right. Just, you know, you have to be inquisitive and very curious. And I did say that the payment space just moments ago was opaque. I would say that it is becoming less and less opaque. And there's so much information now out there, but it does take a lot of effort in Googling and searching and reading 
to kind of find out all the tips. And so a lot in payments, I did have unbelievable mentorship to be able to learn about that, but I was also a voracious reader. And this is, you know, my time at MasterCard where I was able to read the unbelievable research we had either custom built or paid for. But when I was starting Finexio, right, I didn't know anything about building software, raising money, starting a company, anything and everything you could possibly want to know about all the above is free and online. And I no means consider myself a success yet. Uh, Let's have a great outcome with the company. But I think that I've been able to put myself and the 65 others working with me in a good position to be successful and have great results for customers and our investors is just by reading and searching online and applying it. So it's unbelievable. Yeah, that's great advice. And thanks for bringing that up. What's the best way for people to learn more about the company? So a couple ways, finexio.com, F-I-N-E-X-I-O. We've got a YouTube channel. We've got our own podcast, Cashflow Conversations, also on the website where I'm talking to other payments CEOs as well. So there's some fun stuff there. And then we're also on LinkedIn. So we've got a reasonable presence, I would say. There's quite a bit of info about us, a number of press releases out there to learn about what we're doing. Awesome. Well, Ernest, thank you so much for being on the show. I know your time is very valuable, so I really appreciate you being here today. Now, this was a lot of fun and hopefully relevant and interesting to you and the listeners. Happy to help out anytime. This was great. Yeah, good. Glad you enjoyed it. And to all you listeners out there, I thank you for your time as well. And until the next story. Thank you for joining us this week on the Leaders in Payments podcast. Make sure you visit our website at leadersinpayments.com, where you can subscribe to the show and where you'll find our show notes. If you enjoyed listening, please share on your social channels as well. 